Hello, everybody. Good evening. Good morning, depending where you're listening from. I'm Rob Riches. And I'm Cheryl Riches. And this is our podcast. Dead or Survive. It's like we rehearsed that, eh? (laughs) So, how was your week? I haven't seen a whole lot of you, actually. Yeah, that's because some of us went to work while others didn't. My head exploded. (laughs) This is a true story. Although that is taken out of context, it might sound really weird. Oh, I had a boil on the back of my head that started leaking uh, some blood and stuff, and I was told to stay home (laughs) uh, so I didn't get infected. And because there's not a lot of brains up here, I didn't want anything to get infected and destroy the few brain cells that I have. Oh, boy. So now that we've grossed everybody out, (laughs) should we tell them what this podcast is about? Uh, Sure. Why don't you let it rip? All right. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about some sort of fantastic survival and then my husband will be taking over with a story about a darwin award winner so somebody that didn't fare so well doing something probably fairly stupid so uh we're on episode five now uh we just had over 200 listeners so thank you very much for joining us and we're uh hoping to get some more followers and uh we're glad that everybody's sticking around did you know it's free to follow us you don't even have to pay (laughs) you can just click follow Yep, please follow, <laughs> even on our Instagram and Facebook. That would be fantastic. So let's do our checklist. Got your alcohol? Yeah, I have this little concoction that you've made for me tonight. So. That's right. I'm being a bartender tonight. I made a little lemonade and a little aviation gin. Yeah, and it's actually pretty delicious. That's how I roll. <laughs> All right, you got your story? I sure do. Then let her rip, potato chip. Okay, this week I'm going to be talking about Jennifer Mori. So it's April of 1995, and Jennifer Mori is a 25-year-old lawyer that lives alone in an apartment complex in Houston, Texas. And part of the reason that she picked this apartment is because of its security, because she's a young woman living on her own. So obviously, she's concerned about that. But she's in Texas? Yeah, she's in Houston, Texas. I thought they were all like badasses down there and carried like seven or eight guns and... Oh, let me tell you, she is a badass. (laughs) All right. Okay, so this place has an eight-foot-tall fence around it and a security guard that's on site for 24 hours a day. In fact, the security agency is Pinkerton Security. So I'm going to take a minute to talk about Pinkerton Security because... Are you going to trash them? Are they going to come shoot us? They might. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm, I'm certainly not the first one to trash them. However... Historically, they were like pretty solid. They um, they opened in 1850. Uh, they began as an intelligence agency during the Civil War. CIA? No, I feel like they were like spies. Isn't that what that means? Intelligence agency? I don't know. I think they mean they were spies. Did I not just go over the whole few brain cells at the very beginning? <laughs> I was mulling that over earlier. That's what that's what my final decision was. Anyways, they specialized in protecting railroad shipments on the Midwestern railroads. So all those movies you see where the bandits come and steal train stuff. Well, they were there protecting that stuff. In 1861, they foiled an assassination attempt on Abraham Lincoln. 
and they pursued Jesse James, the Younger Gang, the Dalton Brothers, and Butch Cassidy's Wild Bunch. And they actually disbanded Butch Cassidy's gang, so they caught them and took them out of service. In 1962, they escorted the, the Mona Lisa across the Atlantic Ocean. And by 2013, there's over 100 countries with 4,000 security guards just in Texas. So Pinkerton's Texas, Texas contingent is roughly the same size of the Houston Police Department. So they, she should feel pretty safe with this security guard that's on site 24 hours a day from this agency. Right? Should. <laughs> I would, I guess. So on April 15th, 1995, Jennifer had been out having some drinks with her friends. And around midnight, one of her friends drives her home. She gets home to her apartment, locks the door, and gets ready for bed and quickly falls asleep. Jennifer did an episode of I Survived. It's a show that I would like to be able to watch, although in Canada it's hard to see it. So anyways, I did get a lot of information from this interview. And so this is her speaking, and she says that around 4 a.m., I believe I was in a very, very sound sleep. And when I felt suddenly, as I'm coming awake, someone on top of me. Someone with their body weight pressing down and holding my body down and grabbing at my underwear and trying to yank them off. And I was very befuddled. I didn't know what was happening. So she's just coming out of sleep and she comes to the realization that she's being attacked. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with guys like this? Like, I seriously, I don't I don't get it. Like, I, I have daughters and it's one of the worst things. Like, I always tell our, our kids, you know, like I even I told her oldest when she went off to university, keep a can of wasp spray beside your bed because it shoots farther and it's more accurate than pepper spray and stuff but it's just why do you that shouldn't be a problem it shouldn't have to be that yeah why do you have to i don't get it like yeah, what is wrong with 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 men like why are they not i don't get it i guess if i did understand it'd be yeah uh, we'd, we'd so. all be in trouble if you did understand it so um Anyways, she's coming out of the sleep and she realizes that she's being attacked and she reaches her hand up and feels that there's a knife being held against her throat. And she said, it was the clearest thought that went through my brain and woke me up. Oh, I'm being raped. So she starts to fight back and she's terrified and there's adrenaline pumping through her body and she's screaming and fighting and kicking. And this just makes her attacker angry. And then he stabs her in the face. He stabs her right side of the face, and at that moment, she believes that he has actually cut out her eye. I'm not liking your story right now. Like, I really <laughs> just want to get a shotgun. It's it's not it's not a pretty story, but she is such a badass. It makes it worth it. Just stick with me. <laughs> well, I'm not going anywhere, but I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. She says, I took a very hard blow to my right eye, and there was just this explosion of blood, like hot waterfall, just pouring out. And that's when she knew that it was time to fight for her life. I just felt like I have to get him off of me, she said. I have to stop this. I cannot be raped and I cannot be killed. And she keeps fighting and screaming at the top of her lungs. And this man says, Jennifer, shut up. So he knows her name. And then he slits her throat. He starts at her right ear and slices several inches down her neck, leaving what looked like a second mouth in her neck. And at this point, I just want to remind everybody that I am a, the survival story <laughs> because this is pretty heavy shit. So she makes it stick with me. But yeah, it's it's pretty bad. It's pretty dark. OK, so back to the interview. I didn't know. I didn't think of what next step should be until my throat was slit, Maury said. When my throat was cut, then I knew that was the first time that I thought I'm going to die. 
I didn't want to die. I just wanted to get out of there. And I would have done anything to live at that moment. So Jennifer is bleeding everywhere and her attacker grabs her by her hair and drags her into the bathroom. And then he leaves her there for a minute and went back to grab his knife, presumably to kill her. But she's still conscious and still fighting for her life. And her bathroom didn't have a lock on it. And she knew she wasn't strong enough to stand up and like hold the door closed. Well, first of all, she's got these major injuries. And secondly, he's probably a lot bigger than her. So what she does is she sits down on the floor with her back against the door and her legs up against the tub. And then she like keeps her legs straight so that. So she braces herself in there. So yeah. it's like she wedges herself against the door. Yeah. And thing. So he he's on the other side and he's trying to push the door open. And she's just like putting her entire body weight, whatever she can muster so that he can't open that bathroom door. She knows that it's her life. Her life's depending on it. She says, and I just push and hold as hard as I can. And at that moment or moments, suddenly it's quiet. She could hear the man moving around her apartment and moving things. She grabs a roll of toilet paper and holds it up against her neck to try to stop the bleeding. And then I hear the sounds of his pants zipping up and the zipper going up. And I, I keep waiting in there and I'm bleeding so profusely. And after a little while, she can't hear the man walking around or moving anything around there. And she thinks that he's left the apartment. So, so how long has gone by now? Um, I'm not sure how long has gone by. She, she probably didn't even know because time would have taken on a different kind of meaning at that point. Right. Yeah. So she's uh, I just didn't know, like, because you said she's got toilet paper roll up there. I'm just wondering if, it, you know, like how long she actually yeah, got stuck I, in the bathroom. I'm not sure. So she knows at this point that she can either leave the bathroom because she thinks he's gone and take the chance that he might still be in the apartment waiting her out or that he, she can just stay where she is and then take the chance that she might bleed to death. So she decides it's time to open the bathroom door. Now, remember that she has a huge gash in her neck and she's been stabbed in the face and she's been trying to stop the bleeding. So her, her hands are like covered in blood and they're slick and they're slippery. And there's so much blood on her hands that she can't get a grip on the doorknob. And she realizes that because she had all her weight on the door, it's jammed shut like it's stuck. So she can't um, even pull it open. Even if she could get the doorway, the doorknob turned all the way, she can't even pull it open. So at this point, she's thinking to herself that she's managed to survive her attack, but she's going to bleed to death in her bathroom because she can't open the damn door but she keeps working on it. And eventually she's able to wrench the door open and crawl out of the bathroom. And she tries to turn on a light to see if her assailant is still hiding in the apartment somewhere, but he's cut the power to the apartment. And she picks up her landline phone. Remember those? <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately I do remember those. <laughs> but he's cut the phone lines too. So in 1995, cell phones are a thing, but they're not that common. However, fortunately, Jennifer is a lawyer, so she has one, right? And she calls 911. And the dispatcher that answers the phone is named Richard Everett, and it's his first ever 911 call that he's ever answered. Like this is Well, this night's getting better and better for her. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read you the 911 transcript. Instead of saying Jennifer and dispatch every time, I'm just going to say J for Jennifer and D for dispatch. Follow along with me. Okay, so J, please help me. This guy's just tried to cut my throat. D, ma'am. J, there's blood everywhere. I'm covered in blood. He knew my name. I don't know who it was. I know I locked the door. I don't know how he got into the apartment. D, okay, ma'am. Try and calm down a little. J, 
why would anybody do something like this? Because they're morons. Yeah, because they're sick, like sick. D, I don't know. We have some crazy people in this world, but I want you to stay on the line. J, what's your name? D, my name is Richard. J, I'm sorry. I'm calming down. So she she's apologizing for being freaked out. I'm <laughs> sure she's not Canadian. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry I just got raped. I'm sorry my throat just got slit. I'm sorry I got a gash in the side of my face. I apologize that yeah. I'm bleeding on your floor. D, there you go. You're doing fine. Right now you're doing fine. So at some point during this call, about 10 minutes in, Maury tells her 911 dispatcher, Richard Everett, that someone is knocking at her door. And she believes it's the Houston Police Department. But Everett tells her that law enforcement is not there yet. D, don't answer the door right now. J, calling through the locked department door. Hello? J, they said it's security. D, it's security? J, calling through the apartment door. What's your name? D, do you see through the poop peephole? Poop hole. Oh, my God. I should have did that. What are you doing over there? Oh, my God. Do you see? How do you see through the poop hole? Like, seriously, is there a way to see through a poop hole? I'm sure there is, but it's probably not pretty. Oh, boy. Maybe she should try looking through the peephole. Yeah, let's let's try that. Oh, we got to edit some stuff tonight. Oh, that was, that was a slip. Okay. D, do you see through out the peephole? Maury tells the dispatcher that the man at the door is offering help. D, Jennifer... If you don't know who is on the other side of that door, do not open it. Jennifer listens to the dispatcher, and she refuses to open the door. And that might have saved her life because the man at the door was her attacker. What? Yes, he was uh, at the door. I got this figured out now. <laughs> I was wondering, but I thought, because you got into a lot of... Uh... Yes. Knowledge on the uh, security yes. company. Well, ah! Here you go. It's all, it's all falling in place. See, it's a good thing I stayed home so my brain cells are safe. <laughs> a few minutes later, Jennifer hears a bunch more voices in the hallway, and Richard confirms that the Houston police and fire were there. She opens the apartment door and collapses and is taken to the hospital to treat her injuries. And the police investigate and discover that her attacker is Brian Wayne Gibson. And Gibson as you've already figured out, is the on-site security guard for the complex. So when Gibson slashes her throat, he missed her jugular by millimeters. Yeah, I was surprised. Like, that was another thing I was going to ask you, but I, I feel like I'm interrupting every five seconds. No, but... that's, that's what this is. You're supposed to. <laughs> well, I know, but I mean, it's just like when she slashes, still being able to talk and do all yeah, that, too. Yeah, I think because it started so high up near her ear and then came down, it stopped right before all the important stuff. But it was close. It was with it was millimeters, and the stab wound in her face grazed the corner of her eye. But her her eye was actually left intact. In her apartment, Maury's blood was splattered on the walls and ceiling. And she said that she was while she was recovering in the hospital, she was visited by many of the emergency responders who came to her rescue. The police and the detectives they all came into the hospital to the emergency room and post surgery. And he said they were. She said they were like, "Girl, you put up one hell of a fight." I want to say that during her attack, some of her neighbors heard the commotion, but did nothing. Really? Yep. I know that sometimes you hear your neighbors fighting or you hear something going on and you're like, should I or shouldn't I? The answer is you should. If you hear something, if you hear somebody screaming for help, 
get them some damn help. Even if you're wrong, who cares? Yeah. You know, it's the same with the, I mean, and I know it's, I mean, not, I'm not trying to compare this to your story, obviously. Right. But even when car alarms go off, like that was there to get somebody's attention yeah. or even if a girl's or a guy or somebody's running from an assailant, sometimes they'll hit that car alarm to get, and yeah. people just ignore them now. Nobody right. It's like, no, not at all. No, you have better luck of getting someone to come over to your car and do something. Cause there's a dog stuck inside. Absolutely. Than you do if a human actually yeah. needs. <laughs> yeah. If you're, if you're being chased, you start screaming, look, there's a dog locked in that car. Somebody will come. <laughs> During the police investigation, they found the knife, bloody men's underwear, a belt, a glove, and a Pinkerton security hat. Gibson. So he's a security guard and he didn't even know how to clean this fucking shit up. Well, I think that's probably why he went back to the apartment. He was like, oh, damn, I left a bunch of shit there. I better go get it, right? So Gibson was covered in blood and bleeding from his right hand and he had blood on his face and his Pinkerton issue shirt on. And he told the police that he too had been attacked when he heard noises coming from Jennifer's apartment and was investigating when, while he was investigating an intruder had jumped to the ground from Maury's second floor balcony and had wrestled him before fleeing across a nearby field and, and into the darkness. Of course. <laughs> Sounds likely, right? But as one of the officers shined his flashlight across the field, the dew-covered grass showed no footprints. And when the police searched Gibson, they found that he was missing his underwear and his hat. How convenient. <laughs> well, that all fell off. Yeah. I, was, I was in there fighting with this guy and my underwear came right out. Yeah. It was horrible. When they went back to the door, he was likely trying to get back his possessions, which we've just covered. And probably he was going to finish killing her so that she couldn't identify him. So Gibson was sentenced to attempted murder and 20 years in jail. Jennifer filed a lawsuit against Pinkerton security for allowing Gibson to be in the position that he was in. He was making $5 and 25 cents an hour, a dollar more than minimum wage. I get that. But what, like, is there not like, did he have any criminal record or anything like well, that? Or? Let's get into that. Oh, <laughs> I'll sit over here and be quiet. Yeah. During his three years on the job, he had been removed from two assignments after having conflicts with clients, and Pinkerton officials had reassigned Gibson yet again after another client complained. At a construction site, the guard had allegedly used one of the client's vehicles without permission. So, Grand Theft Auto, right? Like, he used somebody's cars without permission? That's stealing a car. Plus, he's had three complaints against him. So, instead of terminating Gibson or file charges... Pinkerton instead reassigned him to the graveyard shift at Bayou Park, a complex where many young women lived alone. Maury said, I think he was a sexual criminal who was put into a situation like a kid in a candy shop, and he used that opportunity to pick his favorite flavor of candy. And Gibson wasn't the only one. Texas state records show that between 1991 and 1995, approximately 130 Pinkerton guards or recently employed as Pinkerton guards were convicted of felonies. In fact, in August of 1992, a 15-year-old El Paso girl was returning home after a movie. As she walked along the sidewalk, she was cut off by a car driven by a man in a Pinkerton security uniform. Witnesses saw Kenneth Wayne Scott flash a badge at the girl, handcuff her, and throw her into his vehicle. So I'm wondering what the witnesses, like, they just thought that was normal and okay because he was a security guard. He was allowed to handcuff a young girl and throw her into his car. Oh, she's young. She probably did something wrong. <laughs> he drove to the desert northeast of El Paso where he raped her before shooting her in the back of her head at point blank range. Miraculously, the teenager survived. 
partially nude. I should have done another episode on this girl because she sounds like a badass too, but partially nude, she crawled back to the highway where she was rescued. Scott was arrested and convicted of attempted capital murder, and he's currently serving a life sentence. At the, at the time, Scott was on parole on federal far, firearms charges. So he was already on parole, and Pinkerton Security hired him to be a security guard. Yeah, like, you know what? I'm all for second chances and blah, blah, blah. But first of all, if you have a story like that on the same guy, what the fuck is he doing? Right. Second of all, if if, if, if they are on parole or something, maybe they guard like a warehouse, yeah. not people. No, or don't maybe or a shipping yard. Maybe security isn't the spot where they should be at all. Yeah, like, but, if, but I mean, I'm saying if, if that's what they have to offer, right? Okay, yeah. let's, like, I don't want to go out there and condemn because there's people, I've, I've had friends that have gone to jail, yeah. Yeah. you know, and they come out and they're cool people and they're on living their lives and doing all that stuff, right? But let's manage the people properly right, right? let's like right. let's not put them oh you you're on parole for for assault oh here take care of all these people yeah take care of all these women and children how about you go take care of a car lot yeah. somewhere how yeah. about you take care of, of 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 boats or or whatever down in the dock or something yeah so he had a number of prior convictions out of florida and another state that was easily accessible had anybody checked into his background which obviously they had not on January 3rd, 1993, Troy H. Dennis and several other men had been drinking beer. When the beer was gone, they decided to rob a nearby convenience store. During the holdup, the 59-year-old clerk, Lenora Tetzman, and a customer, 20-year-old Todd Thompson, were shot to death. Baton By the same guy again? This is This is a different guy. This is Troy H. Dennis, another another Pinkerton guy though. Oh. Um so the Baton police Baytown police followed a trail of beer cans. Okay, they followed a trail of beer cans to the house where the 20-year-old Jones and his buddies had been drinking. Jones, one of the shooters, was sentenced to life in prison. State records show that less than a year before the murders, he'd been employed by Pinkerton Security. And also in 1995, 22-year-old Christopher L. Jones received a 30-year sentence for murder. And state records show that at the time of the shooting, Jones was employed as a guard by Pinkerton Security in Dallas. So it's really easy to get a job there. Sounds like it. <laughs> Sounds like they're hurting for employees. And then they just take anybody without doing a background check. Or they did. I'm sure they do now because I think they got into a lot of shit. Do you think? Yeah. Well, in September of 1998, Pinkerton paid an undisclosed amount of money to Jennifer. And... I believe that since the attack, Gibson has been released from prison, though. Her attacker, Jennifer's attacker, he's been released from prison. And I tried to find out where or what he's doing now, but there's absolutely no information. So I don't know. He could be your next door neighbor. I don't know. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Eh? Yeah. Like, I'm sure he has to be on a list somewhere. But for us up here in Canada, to even try access it yeah. and stuff like that. Would yeah. be, but I'm sure he's not crossing the border anyways. That's true. Um, so two weeks after the attack, unable to face her apartment, she moved to the Woodlands. She returned to work as an attorney for a gallery area law firm. Two weeks later, while working alone on a Sunday night, Maury came unglued when she spotted a man she didn't recognize walking on her floor of the office building. The following day, she packed her belongings and drove to her mother's house in Fort Worth. For the next six months, she barely left her mother's side. If a cat bumped into something accidentally, Maury called 911. At night, she prowled the house, not sleeping until almost sunrise, then staying in bed until afternoon. 
she was able eventually to start living a normal life again. And in 1998, she opened her own family practice in Fort Worth and met the man who would eventually become her husband. Long after the attack and that harrowing 911 call, Jennifer Morey and Richard Everett are still good friends. Having instinct, intuition, and a big heart, Richard saved my life, Maury said. And for that, he will always be one of the most important people that's ever impacted my life. And I was lucky enough that when I got married, he came to my wedding. That's kind of cool. <laughs> that is very cool. So, yeah, like, kick-ass for her because of the stuff that she did. And, but also kick-ass for him because that was his very first 911 call. And he could have easily said, Oh, well, I guess somebody's there to help you open the door, but he, he'd trust his instincts and said, no, don't open the door. And he probably saved your life. Yeah. Well, yeah. Especially like when you find out later that, you know, he could have been coming back to try to grab that stuff. Yeah. Like when you hear they left a hat, left underwear, yeah. left yeah. all this stuff there. Right. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Well, that was a, a horrible, horrible story. I mean, I'm glad she survived. <laughs> that was a horrible story. <laughs> so it just, and, not only is it a horrible story, Here's the bad part. My stories now are <laughs> just not good. And I will I will explain why in a minute. Okay. But this this uh, this is all your fault. How is it? Oh, because we're going into the women this Oh, that's right. Yes. So you tell us I think you did that on purpose. I think you knew. So now I'm like, oh boy. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, you will hear Miss Cheryl saying, well, all Darwin Awards are for men, eh? Women don't have any. So well, I, it seemed to be the case at that point. So I did a little digging. Not even that much. Just a little digging. I bet you had to do a little bit more digging. Just a little bit more. Nope. <laughs> not at all. I think I just actually typed in women and it came up with a whole bunch of Darwin Awards. So... Ladies, uh, please, if you uh, want to complain about any of these Darwin Awards or anything like that, it is uh, debtorsurvivepodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yes. And please, uh, please put uh, Cheryl Riches, attention Cheryl Riches, uh, because I didn't do this to you guys, okay? I was sitting over here reading my stories, not even picking on anybody, and then over there, I heard chirp, chirp, chirp. So this is what you're going to get. It's a true story. I got, I got to, I have to own that one. That, that's a true story. <laughs> so for our first Darwin darling. Oh, Darwin darling. <laughs> let's go to South Carolina. We have a couple from South Carolina today. Oh, and by the way, just to add a little more spice to it. I did three because they were so easy to find. <laughs> three. Usually with the guys, I struggle to get two. Oh, you're so full of it. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you do for your pets we have okay if you guys don't know my my wife is a huge animal um lover she when we moved to our new place there was a ton of barn cats here she's brought them in the house she's given them away she's cleaned them up she fed them we have dogs we have rescue dogs we have ferrets we had we have fish we have you name it it's been in this house yeah, um we, we have rabbits in the backyard we rescued a snake a couple years yes ago. we rescued a snake <laughs> all this stuff so how far would you go for your pets I'd go pretty far. I don't know if I'd go Darwin Awards. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would definitely rescue your cat from a tree, correct? Absolutely. I've done it. Yes. And you, and uh, I've seen you run downstairs and save a bunny out of a cat's mouth. This is true. I've seen you out of the back window and you ran to save this poor starving barn cat. And then, I was feeding him. He had no excuse. <laughs> so anyways, I have seen you do this. So... 
I get it, right? People protect their pets. However, this lady thought that this would be a, uh, that the protecting her, her pet was her duty. And she decided that she would get in front of an alligator. Oh no. Yes. To protect her dog. So she has no weapons, no nothing. She just ran right in between and then smacked the alligator. And then, so it would drop her dog and it dropped her dog. It absolutely, she saved her dog. No problem. But then the alligator ate her. Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. But, I just want to go into the, have you seen the YouTube video where the bear, was it the bear going after that lady's cat or dog? I can't remember which. Oh, and she comes out with the broom? Yeah, and she yeah. hits it and it runs away. So, yeah. I mean. Bear. Yeah. Alligator. <laughs> okay. And still, no weapon. She didn't have a broom. She couldn't even poke it. She oh, smacked it with her shit. own hands. So now, her dog is safe. But, uh, yeah, the big old dinosaur came in and went, nom, 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 ate yeah. her. Um... And while we're in South Carolina, I might have I might hit an alligator to save our dog. I might do it. Oh well, you're gonna get eaten. <laughs> Make sure that our life shirt's paid up, please. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like seriously. Oh boy. Well, guys, on my next episode, I will be doing a Darwin Award about my own life. <laughs> but here's a really good one. So South Carolina. A lady walked into a pond, totally intoxicated, to go for a swim. So we're already going for a swim while drunk. At night. At uh, in the evening. Okay. Her friends are there, and her friends creepy. Yeah, her <laughs> friends are yelling at her, so they're having like yeah. a fire yeah. type thing, right? Yeah. And her friends are yelling at her and saying, "Hey, there's an alligator in the pond." Like her friends are even saying, I know for sure it's in the pond because I seen it eat a deer just a couple days ago. Oh, it's in the fuck. pond. What was she thinking? That just gives me the creeps. But That's... do you know what she said? Do you want to know what your Darwin darling said? What did Johnny say? <laughs> Lady Johnny. <laughs> I came up with one. She said, it's a good thing I don't look like a deer then. Oh, that was her response. God. And in she went. Oh, no. And she went for a swim. And sure as shit, the alligator showed up, grabbed her arm, <laughs> and started pulling on her. But she got it away. She got her, she got her arm done. It's like that. Started swimming back to the shore. And her friends went to grab her and try to help her. But nope. Alligator won. Nom, 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 nom. And oh, he ate her. That's awful. So that was the last swim that she ever went for. Now, just to show you... I'm doing a little more facts here, people. Okay. We told that. Okay. So if you live in Florida, yes. becoming an alligator fatality, fatality, F fatality, thank you, is roughly one in 3.1 million. That seems like it's a pretty low number. From 1948 to 2019, there have only been 25 people killed. Now, when I'm giving you these statistics, these are people like just attacked, like, you know, she went in front of her dog or whatever. This isn't right. people that are at zoos or people that are... That are doing stupid shit, sticking their heads. Yeah, doing all that yeah. kind of um, grandstanding or whatever, yeah. that stuff, right? Um, yeah, so it was... I got some more statistics here for you guys, but I don't know where I put them. That's all right. Do you need me to sing your little song? No, I don't need you to sing your little song. <laughs> That's what I do to you. <laughs> Um, I practiced earlier. Did you? <laughs> yeah. So over the last 10 years, only seven unprovoked gator bites uh, um, have happened. So, I mean, that's how low it is, that, right? Yeah, that's after how many years, sorry? Seven, uh, 10 years. Ten there was years. only seven unprovoked uh, gator oh, bites. Yeah. That's less than one a year. Yeah. 
So, I mean, to have two in South Carolina yeah. where they don't even have as many gators as Florida. I feel like that might be saying a little bit about South Carolina. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> However, now. But yes. Florida is like, Florida is the one with the reputation. Well, they may have a reputation, but guess what? They have less gator bites. Okay. All right. Maybe they're getting the maybe they're getting eaten by the pythons that are being released in the swamps. <laughs> maybe. Maybe more python attacks. Maybe I'll have to find that out for the next one. So, anyways, let's see what else our darling little Darwins are up to. Okay. okay? Number three. Here Number three. Because the first one kind of tied together. See how that was two gators? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was almost nom, 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 the same. Nom. Really? Yeah, it pretty much. Been the same gator. We don't know. Well, yeah, maybe it was. Yeah. He liked people. <laughs> Maybe he was a, instead of being a one-eyed, one-horned, per, flying purple people eater, he was a one-eyed, one-horned, flying white green. Girl. I'm lost it. A, <laughs> I know. a white yeah. Darwin girl eater. Yeah. yeah. You know how white girls like Starbucks? Yeah. Alligators like white girls. So I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. So what else could they be up to? Well, what I want you to do is sit back and listen to this one. And I want you to flash me that big, beautiful smile. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. <laughs> now, we live in Canada. So, I mean, I talk about this a lot, so you should know. And we watch a lot of hockey. So, we are used to seeing people without their teeth. Yeah. Uh, you know, when the game is over, sometimes they have the fake teeth they put in and all that stuff, right? But we see a lot of people without teeth and everything like that. So, this... Uh, uh darling uh she actually this johnny if you will <laughs> lady johnny yeah. lady johnny uh she had some false teeth right so she um her teeth were rotting out and everything like that and she had some false teeth made and cleaned up and everything like that um but you have to take the false teeth out and clean them right obviously yes. so um that's what she she did so she got out a, a you know sometimes you soak them in a dish or you know you drop them into a glass right. and i think what's yeah. that polydent stuff yeah. or whatever fizzes cleans it polydent i think sticks them to your face i don't yeah. but i know what you're talking yeah anyways you know so for cleaning them right you don't sit yeah. there with a toothbrush yeah. you let them yeah. soak in a solution or whatever right um so that's exactly what she did she uh she put them in a the glass and she put the stuff in there and yeah and she put them in there and this must have been a ton of work it must have been because like i mean like i'm talking like it must have been like running seven kilometers for it because putting the teeth in the jar must have been this much work well yeah because after she got this done uh -huh. she picked the glass back up and drank it what yeah drank it swallowed the teeth how what yes what? yes so she okay, had i can't even how well because they're not i guess they weren't bridge ones they were ones that you slide in so they, they were individual oh so it wasn't like a whole bridge okay. it was a uh, one or two i guess i should have said that so sorry <laughs> okay that makes yeah. a lot more sense but <laughs> swallows them she, so yeah. she, and, what probably happened was she had a glass of water and then she had her teeth and she grabbed the wrong one i don't know but i didn't say that so <laughs> I'm going with nope <laughs> because you brought this on yourself. <laughs> so anyways, she, uh, yeah. So she drank it and she felt something go down her throat, felt it. Okay. But, she had to have known at that point. No, this is a Darwin award. <laughs> so anyways, nothing happened, uh, right at the, right at the, the time or anything like that. But then a few hours later she passed out. So somebody found her passed out or whatever. They rushed her to the hospital they went in and then she recovered. So there was nothing going on. She neglected to tell the doctor that, hey, I swallowed my teeth earlier or did oh any of that God. stuff. So again, she goes home and, and uh, 
starts going on. Well, the next day, again, she passed away, but this time she whacked her head. She passed she out. A, she, she passed, passed yeah, sorry. She passed out, okay. knocked her head, and then passed away, died. Damn. Then, so um, what they were saying is, and I've done a little uh, research on that, is you don't actually, um, they say you don't actually swallow your teeth. So there's, um, like it's, it's common to swallow your teeth. Yeah. Um, like if you have a loose tooth or yeah, anything like that, it goes into your stomach acid. All the time, yeah. Right. But what the doctors and or dentist stuff that I was looking up said is that you actually, um, a lot of people will inhale the tooth. What they'll do, so when they're drinking their water and you're breathing and stuff, they'll actually inhale it into their airways. And what can happen is it can get stuck into your lungs or it can get stuck yes. in the in the airways and it can actually float up and down. So probably what happened was hers blocked the airway for a little bit, passed out. But when she hit the floor, it came out. But the next time when it happened, it actually shut everything down on wow. her. So, yeah. So I, she. I wouldn't have never known that had you not researched. Yeah. So you're welcome. Yeah. Look at that. So <laughs> I learned something today. Um, so, yeah. So that's one. Uh, of the big things if you swallow your teeth that can happen uh, you inhale them uh, the other one is uh, some they've actually had people that have swallowed the whole bridge how though well it goes down your throat that's what swallowing is <laughs> that's what swallowing is <laughs> Wow. So, but anyways, it's like swallowing a watermelon rind. I don't uh, understand. I don't know, but they swallowed it, and what happened is it goes in and it actually ripped their intestines open. Damn. So, yeah, but this only occurs in about zero point zero four percent. Yeah, because most people don't drink their teeth. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just bringing up some Darwin darlings for you. Okay. okay? So, are you? Uh, those are my uh, my three. Yes. I, Do you have any uh, smart ass remarks you'd like for next week? N no, I, I think I'm good. I'm good right now. <laughs> I'll think some up for next week. How about that? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so everybody, yeah, um, it's our call to action time. It is, uh, please uh, follow, like, um, do all that stuff. We yep. would uh, really appreciate it. We're up over uh, 200 listens right yeah, now. We'd so we really love to be able to read one of your stories. We won't say your name, even if you're embarrassed and you don't want to have people know who it is. Just send it anonymous, anonymously or just tell us you don't want your name. We won't read it. That's fine. And where should they send it to? To debtorsurvivepodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Or you can go on our Facebook page or you can go on our Instagram. Uh, Cheryl's always uh, putting new pictures up and stuff like that. The last one was uh, a nice Rambo deer. Bambo. Bambo. So uh, <laughs> if you listened in, you'll understand that. If not, then yeah. you need to listen in. Oh, and I wanted to say thank you to Sharon Connor and Jesse Stewart because they've been listening to all of our episodes. So they've been supporting us and I wanted to say thank you. Yay. And hopefully you hit the follow Yes, follow, follow. <laughs> All right, now it's your favorite time, and I've been dying to. I've actually he been just keeps telling me how good this dad joke is. <laughs> I love this dad joke, and the reason why I love this dad joke is because my wife's a vegetarian. Oh, so this is why I love this dad joke. So because it makes fun of me. No, it doesn't make fun of you. <laughs> I just think it's funny because you're a vegetarian. Okay. So, what does a vegetarian zombie eat? What. Grains, <laughs> grains. <laughs> I told you you would love it. I do. I, do. I, I was so it. excited. I found that joke on Wednesday. <laughs> it's been killing me. Oh, that's cute. Uh, all right, everybody. I hope you had as much fun as we do. Please yeah. uh, keep keep coming in. Keep following. And this is episode five. Okay. Bye. Bye.